Well, howdy. Ooh, something pow. Come on, let us out. You make me want to shoot. I haven't listened to that song in a hot minute, John. It just came to me. I'm like, what am I going to sing? Like, I need to listen to that one. I need to write a list of things we need to. It'll be our first sponsored album. It's like, now, if you like music, 448, it's the two-sided music, part one. Random shit, either 90s hip-hop, hardcore, <laughs> hardcore West Coast, West Coast rap, or like Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, so what exactly is a sponsored album? It's like an album brought to you by Nutella. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so uh, uh, I, I I think yeah we'll we'll do all the uh, the great jams, a uh, couple of the great uh, peanut butters, and uh, we'll 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 keep it going. Where this is going to be a this is going to be a big hit. Gonna be. A, I think gonna, this is our first million dollar idea. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just like, come on, have a good time. Yeah. Laughing camera. Shout out to good people. There's a good community. There's always support, and there's always a goddamn great. Not great style, as you can see from John's t-shirt and my t-shirt, my beard and John's asylum. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, We're all okay. mad here. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be, but it sure does pay off. Folks, if you like what you're hearing, and I wouldn't thus far, because there's a whole show coming up. Hit that subscribe, hit that like button. Uh, we're live right now on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Pod or Stereo, or any of the places where we, yeah. Yeah, don't be afraid to subscribe. Don't be afraid to tell your friends. If you're listening to us live, even if you're not, if you listen to us at work, if you're sitting there at your desk quietly, wishing you were somewhere else, this is the time you take that small bottle out of your bottom drawer, pour that little tiny shot where no one's looking. We're going to wait for you because this is the time when two-sided when we start drinking. So, folks, here's to you. Here's to us. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Let's get this mother started, Don. Cheers. Cheers. Bink. Bink. <sighs> John, I didn't even stretch before this. It's like, it's like I sort of like, all right, I know how to run, quote unquote. I'm using finger quotes. It's like, I can just run. Like, no, you can't. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm done. All right, let's, let's drink. I mean, let's, let's, let's show. Let's podcast. Let's show. Same, let's show. Let's show. Well, howdy. lessons can you learn to play like an accordion like you look like an accordion man you got accordion run all over you if you can bring that to the table i would i would stomach that i do have a mini accordion uh no probably don't have a mini accordion played i want you to have a full accordion either that or a full set of bagpipes i want you to commit to it i want you to go away to a camp i want you to study under a master i want you to learn how the the craft the music was born Come back, do the theme music with the accordion and the bagpipe, and then I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. Well, I'm John L. Peacock out in Brooklyn, New York. And I'm my boy Pete out in Southern California. 
and you're listening to Two Sided, a live recorded podcast where each week I challenge Pete with a bit of the two sides of life, the serious and the fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the serious and the fun, the, 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 the me and the you, the you and the me, the right and the wrong. The... John, do you see how I twisted all those? Because now anyone can interpret it anyway. Who's the right? Who's the wrong? Who's the me? Who's the you? Where does one man stop, the other man begin? Two men enter, one podcast, one man leave. No, got nothing. Nope. But still. Well, who's the serious? Who, who's the fun, really? Right. Who's the podcast? Who's the host? <laughs> who's the talent? Where's the talent? What's the talent? Is there talent? Yeah. Turns out there is no spoon. <laughs> and that's how we bent it. Speaking of bending spoons, uh, we are jumping into our first lightning round. Lightning round! Let's get down! Come on, come on, come on, come on! Yeah! Woo! Hey, lightning round guy, you sound a little hoarse. Are you okay? It's been a long, long, long time coming down. I'm in the closet. (laughs) You wouldn't let me out. Cause that was embarrassing. <coughs> I brought it too hard, John. He says I got work to do. We, we talked about this. I know, but John doesn't even look me when the grateful did you? That's my man. Hey, John, you want to get high, John? Yeah, John. John, you want to get high? Listen, lightning round guy. Maybe don't speak too much. You, you you signed one of those things we're about to talk about. So maybe maybe you know. Shh, 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 shh. Oh oh okay. All right, folks. We'll have fun with this round. I'll be back. It's cold. Need me? Call me. Okay, bye. Well, anyone who's anyone knows that our first lightning round of the episode is always a standard Q and A. My boy Pete, are you ready for the questions? Yeah, I, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Don't do it. My boy Pete, how many NDAs have you ever signed? Two. Uh, my repeat, what are the details of each NDA? Uh, one was for legal reasons and one was for a work thing. Uh, my repeat, uh, who were the other parties involved in these NDAs? <laughs> uh, uh, I can say one was my employer and one was uh, not. <laughs> And finally, uh, my boy Pete, how can we get a hold of said individuals? Are you fucking insane, John? What the fuck are you trying to do, man? It's crazy. Like, it's on paper. Don't, bro. Shh, shh. Hey, go ahead. All right. Um, you can call 1-800-SHUT-THE-FUCK-UP, John. Uh, you can, you can, you can sh- sh- shut it down. I'm sure there's a hotline for it, a support line. Why don't you Google it? That is obviously the correct uh, answer to all of these. Another acceptable answer would have been uh, answer questions. Yeah. Yeah. I answer questions. Fuck you, John. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I'm trying to play your game. And you did so well. That was the fast, uh, well, uh, I think the fastest lightning round we've ever done. Yeah, I'm trying to play your game. So let's just uh, talk, let's just talk about it. Uh, we're going into our first uh, segment of the episode, and before we get into that, um, uh, sign NDA says what? 
Jesus Christ, John. Jesus Christ. Sign it in India says what? Questions, John. That's what you want to hear. I don't answer questions. Is that what you want? I don't answer questions. Yeah, we're not moving forward until this is done. Sign NDA says what? What, John? Great. All right. We're going to talk about NDAs, non disclosure agreements. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you wanted to get a verbal consent that you would sign an NDA. Yeah, yeah. Sign an NDA says what? What? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> So an someone, NDA. Someone has been watching a motherfucking movies again. Okay, John, John, go, go. Tell them what it is. Tell me what it is. Educate me, because in the state of California, I I can't have a comment on this. <laughs> a non-disclosure agreement is a legally binding contract that establishes a confidential relationship. The party or parties signing the agreements agree that sensitive information they may obtain will not be made available to any others. An NDA may also uh, be referred to as a confidentiality agreement. Right. And you can sign that there's a lot of different levels, there's a lot of different things. If they're legal binding clauses, it has to be uh, binding, it has to be signed, it has to be notarized, and it has to be, you know, it can't be like on the bar napkin, like, hey man, you agree to this? Yep, me too. Don't say nothing. Me neither. <laughs> like, that ain't nothing. So learn that. One. <laughs> I have a fucking napkin, man. <laughs> Not me. I was there allegedly. Anyway. <laughs> there are generally yeah. two types of NDAs: uh, the mutual non-disclosure agreement, and the other type is the non-mutual non-disclosure agreement. So if people are going into business together. Uh, that's usually the mutual one, and a new employee, as uh, as an example, a very common example, coming into a business would be the non-mutual, where it, you know the higher ups can say what they want; it's their business. But the, this guy would be in trouble. This person would be in trouble. Right, right, yeah, and that sucks. Like, all right, just because you didn't get in at the right time, you can't say shit about us. But we will fuck your world up, even after you leave. Right, you can't sue us. It says in paper, I got a napkin. Yeah, I have a napkin. You were at the bar with me. Remember? Remember? Come on, man. It turns out I moonlight as a notary republic. <laughs> well, let me get my briefcase. God damn it. If only I had a fanny pack for, for my little notary stamp and my ledger, I could be making money at this bar. So increasingly, increasingly individuals are asked to sign the opposite of an NDA, a disclosure agreement. Uh, for example, a doctor requiring a patient to sign that agreement so that they can disclose and share the information with an insurer. Right. All that shit. And like, same with uh, anything you sign up online. Like, eh, right. Well, so we can it. share your any information. Any game, like, hey, we're going to share your information. It's not for this. It's not for this. Like, man. All right, well, tell them, tell them I'm single. Tell them I like long walks on the beach. Like if, if they're in a big corporation, tell them I'm, I'm open to nights and weekends because if they got it through my cell phone company, they know I get them shits for free. <laughs> do, the, do those plans still exist? I don't know, man. I haven't changed my shit in like 
forever. <laughs> last, last time You're I the last in, one. You've been grandfathered in. <laughs> bro, 100%. I get the... Last time I called because I've like broken my, my phone. Like I told you, lost phones, and I always end up like I gotta call AT and T or an or, or T Mobile. Like, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, you gotta call your insurance every time." They're like, "Look at the account." You're saying like, "Oh my god, you've been with us like since since '84." Like, yeah, yeah. Back when we were a landline. Yeah, we AT&T. weren't even a, a a company back then. <laughs> Yeah, I bought stock in your owner's dreams. I don't know. But yeah, I've been with these shit since I moved to California, dude. I haven't changed. I haven't changed. <laughs> so like, keep on paying the same price. I'm sure there's something better. I'm sure I can get a... It's like, ah, I'm going to talk with it. I don't care. Right, right. It goes, it goes it, away. It works, right? It works, right? Mostly. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, so uh, NDAs may be customized to any degree, but there are six major elements that are considered essential. Here they are. Okay, let's go through the six. Yeah, it's uh, the names of the parties to the agreement, uh, yep. definition of what constitutes confidential information in this case, yep. and any exclusions from confidentiality, yep. a statement of the appropriate uses of the information to be revealed, um, yeah. Yeah. the time period involved. Right. And finally, probably most important, uh, miscellaneous provisions. Right, and those are the, those are what we call the writers in the industry. Yep. We call those the writers. Like, this is and everything else I fucking want to say that I need. And, and you're gonna do this, you're gonna pick up my goddamn dry cleaning, you're going to also support my dog's college tuition because they're going to little little doggy college. They're not smart. We bribed the whole commissioner. We have them on a row rowboat. Like there's not even a rowing machine, but we're going to even a rowboat putting you in that dog. I don't even. Yeah, all that shit. That's it. Right. That's, those are the writers. Yeah, uh, they can be state laws. Uh laws that apply to the agreement, uh, how to pay the attorneys, uh, anything, you know, all, all that stuff, right? Anything, anything in case of a dispute, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, how th- that case yeah. wants to handle it. Yeah, anything. And whatever we say. So traditionally, NDAs reflected a relatively balanced exchange. One party wanted to keep information confidential. The other party agreed to accept uh, monetary or other risk for divulging such confidential information with consideration provided to each party's commitment. So pretty ah. level-handed. Right, level-handed, John. And so what you're actually saying, the way to, so like, all right, here's the deal. I don't want you to talk about this shit, okay? So I'm gonna pay you a shit ton of money, you're gonna shut the fuck up, or you're gonna own your life. I will own you, I will come to you in your sleep, your mother will cry when she sees what I've done, that's written in, in my little, etc. and writers. All of them things will happen. Yeah. Shut and, the fuck up. Here's this money. And and for a lot of things, it made sense. Any uh, new tech, um, uh, revealing Mario Brothers three in the movie The Wizard. Uh, you know, right. you can't do the reveal beforehand. It would ruin everything. So everyone, you know, that kind of thing. It makes complete right. sense. We want to all come together for this. One guy messes up. That guy's going to be liable. That guy's going to be. Well, it's the same thing with all these movie releases. Uh, like back in the day when, when I first moved to California, I was working in the movie theater and the movies were delivered on fucking reels. It wasn't digital back then. Like they weren't 
chips. They were like, and we would have these big fuck off real boxes that, that they would sit outside the projection box. And you'd have like, as you're walking by, here's like the brand new original reels of ready to go premieres of fucking great movies. Like, okay, well, not great movies. You'll, yeah. Of movies. Of movies. Well, Spider Man <laughs> and fucking Scorpion King and like some cool shit that you like, oh man, I'd like just to pick them up, pick up and walk out with them. They were um, crazy shit. Crazy. Like Aladdin, uh, that was another one. Some, my, my cousin found Aladdin. Like, they're doing like, here's the original prints. Like, dude, that original Disney print? Crazy. Yeah. And worth the mints, but also Disney would come down hard. So the NDA equation has become lopsided. NDAs uh, protect intellectual property from disclosure, but secrecy, whether obtained through an NDA or simple coercion, can and often does enable bad actors to avoid consequences. So we're asking, when should an NDA or other effort to silence a party be legally enforceable? Yeah, but honestly, okay. So, so here's the deal. And legally enforceable, you gotta look at it. Okay, no, maybe it is too soon. For me, it's like you're weighing you're weighing your moral compass at that point. If it's an NDA that's like there's nothing morally wrong with it, it's just like, oh, I've been screwed out of money. Or these people have been screwed out of money. It's like this, like, all right, okay. Or things have happened, everyone. No one was hurt, but things have happened. Right, all legal, but you know those all guys legal, were shady, but, but hey. legal, right? But hey, and so there's no reason to do that if it's a moral compass of like, all right, I witnessed, I was at the Nakatomi Plaza. I know exactly what happened. I was there. I was there when Elliot said, "Hey, let's make a deal." I was like, "No, don't do it, Elliot." Yeah. Then it's like, I can't stick with my NDA. I got to say what happened. And that is how Die Hard got made. True story. So, uh, especially originally, uh, the NDAs uh, uh, had a category of information um, subject to uh, protection for a specific number of years, months, or whatever, but they became more vague. And that broad drafting can cause irreparable financial and or emotional harm to those who sign them down the stretch because it's in perpetuity. They also may violate laws or be unconstitutional because of this vague uh, wording. Yeah, but at that point, I was look at the, what is the, okay, so it's breaking, now your moral compass is this way. So like, all right, so I break or should I not? If I do, what is my punishment gonna be versus what I'm enduring right now? What is the lesser of two evils? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Yep. I'm gonna get all my ducks in a row. So the worst thing you can do to me is not the worst thing that's happening right now. Everyone else is taking care of the things. The farm is sold. I shot old Yeller. I sold the kids to the gypsies. Still have my tractor, old Bessie. She and I are going together. <laughs> and then you tell the truth and like. Take us as you will. Me and Bessie will go to the clink. It's three square meals a day. Yeah, Not Bessie. A, a whistleblower, right? Yeah. You, the once a bell is rung, it can't be unrung, right? You get the information Correct. out and and suffer the consequences with full knowledge that that was going to happen. 
Right. And then it's like, what is the what are the consequences and how are they going to do it? Like, all right, are you going to how much prison time? All right. So leave the country. Okay. We'll leave the country quietly. Don't be an asshole about it. All right. God damn, man. Sounds a little snowden esque. Anyway, uh, so uh, standard occurrences of the traditional use I'm of NDAs. I'm massage my person myself. You could be a stone. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified. Anyway, uh, uh, standard uses of traditional NDAs, employment, as we talked about, uh, settlements, we'll talk about that later, investments, and government contracts. You know, most of that is in dealing specifically with sensitive information. Right. Settlements yeah. have been the focus of media attention over the past uh, six plus years. I mean, kind of more always, but uh, especially in the past six years, especially with the inception of the Me Too movement. Confidentiality in sexual harassment settlements gives uh, perpetrators power over the victims by silencing them. So the movement pulled the veil on these agreements uh, under which the victims traded silence for monetary uh, recompense, which the general public really didn't think about, you know, no, wasn't talked about up until this point. Right. Right. No, and that was the thing that was like a big. I don't know, but I okay. And this is this is me learning as a fucking because one of my my things was like okay, well, any of my fucking female friends or any of my male friends that happened to who would have said something like <laughs> yeah, you signed a thing that you didn't say anything like oh you just told me I'm gonna go deal with this <laughs> like this is something sorry you just told me and now okay so i'm going to get arrested but i'm going to huge scene and try to burn the fucker's house down and then, then once i get interviewed here's the deal this is why yeah you you broke your nda sorry like if you're gonna break it break it and, and that was my thought process like yeah you take the money but tell someone and that person who did like i, I just didn't understand it but then I didn't understand like the fear and the, the whole, there was like no support. There was no support system and there was no anything. So on no on one was, end and on the other side, there was uh, extreme intimidation correct. Uh, uh, correct. factors. Yeah. Tactics right. so, yeah. So there's nothing, I mean, you can't do anything. Like I didn't understand that. I'm like, oh shit. So that was, yeah, that was hard. But but still, to this point, like anyone in the Me Too is like, just give me a fucking name. I know it's out in public, but someone needs to fucking pay. Ah! I put on a cape. I have a goddamn mask. I'll go out and fight crime at night. Ah! I'm, I'm thinking either Daredevil or Punisher. Yeah, One doesn't like be... to kill. Where, what side are you on? Ah, it depends on the night. So Daredevil, because I'm, I'm either blind. I'm drunk or Punisher. I'm drunk enough to see and I'm angry as fuck about it. <laughs> no, no, no. Allegedly. Allegedly. Less, allegedly. 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 But I love the masks. Love the trench coats. So as a result of uh, uh, Me Too, uh, legislatures in more than a dozen states, including California, New York, Jersey, uh, have limited or banned confidentially, uh, confidentiality agreements involving sexual discrimination and harassment. Good. Yes, exactly. Because if they had done that earlier, 
if there was other cases of that when they had not banned that in NDAs, there would be a lot more people who were in a lot higher places, um, maybe even the Supreme Court, who would have had open things that were not disclosed before they had their hearings and whatnot and what said. Yeah, their hearings so, would have been slightly different and they would have uh, been in a, a less comfortable uh, position. Right. Yeah. yeah all these, like, I, and that's the thing, because we had all these things that were in place that they didn't uh john yeah anytime there's a when there's a when you feel bullied to sign something to sign your rights away that can be like and don't even think of it as an nda it's like you can think about it i was thinking about it for now as plea agreements like oh right, yeah you get you get you get popped for one thing they're going to stack two more charges on you and like of course i'm going to plea you one so you don't stack another four charges on me like oh my god and then you plead that like it's just bullshit yeah and i was even thinking of the central park uh five with um same thing yeah they they beat them up they were kids they didn't have any adults around and they said sign this and you can go home and it was a confession to something they never did no same thing like it's the same exact same thing now you use this different tactics because now you get pulled over for like a gun charge just you know just having a gun in your car not on you not loaded just in your car and it's like oh we're gonna pop you for bad taillights here's this other thing you had marijuana in your pocket here's here's a little baggie so there was another that's intent to sell you were sort of stack on stack on stack so that 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 eighth of weed turns out with possession with intent to sell because you had a baggie in addition, oh my god! Oh and my the god. and the firearm, there's like four more charges that you can stack on top of it because of the like, intent to sell. It's locked up, yeah, and that's not even the thing. Like, like that's locked up in the thing. There's the what's the, uh, uh, so. Just, uh, and then yeah, another response NDAs. was with companies. They uh, many companies modified their NDAs in response to me too, uh, but other forms of discrimination have remained unaddressed in most NDA policies. Yeah, very, very much so. Racial uh, discrimination is the 2020 cause of the movement and high level employees at major um, uh, uh, um, at major uh, companies are now speaking up uh, despite the NDAs. They are breaking their own NDAs, knowing that they're high enough that they will be heard no matter what. Like you were talking about, uh, you right. know, the con- you get your ducks in a row. You and Bessie, yeah. you know your consequences are going to happen, but you know that you will be heard as opposed to the low-level ones, exactly. uh, employee, not low-level, that's terrible, right? Oh, it's so horrible. High-level, no, low-level. It's right. true, John. The ones who are true. paid less, like they won't be heard. You're speaking truth because once you hit a certain point, it's like everything has to go, like, oh, we're not the military, but there's every organization, there's a, you can't go to the, the president of the company. You can't go to the director of the hospital. You can't go to the the, the head of the teacher's union. I mean, you can, but you're the crazy person who's like, oh, okay, TurboTax. So you're fucking roll. Right. Security, security, where are you on my lawn? And they put that into the record and it goes against you. Right. So there has to go through the chain of command, like military, which is stupid, because a lot of times it gets lost. It gets it's just a whole thing it's it's uh, yeah it's very frustrating so what's uh but the floodgates opening up 
the next uh, level of um, discrimination that can come from these NDAs uh, that involve race, age, religion, and other forms of discrimination are coming under scrutiny and being looked at to hopefully fall by the wayside. So, you know, it, uh, I know in New York, there were landlords who had um, people of color who were not able to uh, rent their, their uh, apartments and found that it was because of their race, they settled out of the court, uh, NDA, you don't say anything, and they just kept on doing the same policy, uh, uh, racist policy. Other people who did sue. Right. Yeah, so other, and just like, well, we got caught once, and we have to do this, and we paid up, but we can continue to do it. And that's, that's fucked up. It's like, yeah, but if workplaces can change, if they can, if we can start doing this, like, I have hopes that we can go back to having cocktails at 2.30, smoking in the office, like there's a smoking section <laughs> in the indoors. If you want to go, like, how do I know I'm doing a good job if someone doesn't smack me on the ass when I walk by? Like, yeah. I don't even know. That's my love language. Just, that's my love language. Here, I'm a he, him, slapper. Um, how do you identify? <laughs> me, mine, slappy, slap. Call me. <laughs> love you, Venus. Looking stupid, Folks, if you, if you, want to listen to more we're going to need you to hit that subscribe button and sign this figurative nda hit that subscribe hit that like don't be afraid we're here every thursday starting 8 p.m pacific uh 11 p.m eastern um we do our open chat on tuesdays and you can also find us if you can't make it we're on spotify we're on apple pod uh we're on farmers only um i'm getting the band back together so we're going to go on fans only as a band, it's going to be great. We're going to play all the hits. I don't even know what that means. Nope, nope, not going down the road. Hit that subscribe, hit that like. Don't be afraid to NDA. John, what's the next category of our NDAs, buddy? Well, as uh, my uh, internet company just did to me, uh, by continuing uh, the service that we are providing you, uh, you are now agreeing of uh, the change of our agreements that we are creating that you cannot sue us and uh, we will never be uh, liable for any uh, harm or damage caused by you listening to our podcast. If you don't want to be involved with that, just terminate the agreement yep. now. Also, you will That's get correct. your firstborn. Your firstborn, if it's a manly child, if it's a feeble child, you will have you cast it to the sea and raise another in our image. So saith Verizon. For $69.95, we will raise a child in our image at speeds surpassing five megabytes every year per year for that child's growth. He's a slow child, but we love him anyway. I would tell you what company uh, has forces upon me, but I believe by reading uh the agreement itself i signed some nda just by looking at it anyway uh so yeah. over the past few years you have, your, you have to name your first child megabyte it's really weird he's a dial-up kid but i gotta name him anyway sorry don't go on uh, uh optimus prime comes into mind some new york cable and internet company optimus prime. anyway um so uh over the past few years we've been seeing uh how ndas have been used by the wealthy and the powerful Harvey Weinstein, uh, the ex-president of the U.S., uh, there are no CEO Elizabeth Holmes, uh, to silence former employees or people in their inner circle from speaking out against them. 
John, is this is this is your cry for help? Because you're you're fucking edging a line on the NDA that I had you sign. Um, if you are hinting at something, if this is a cry for help, John, you better back the fuck up. Because I have my lawyers listening in right now. One of them's name is Mr. V. He's Australian. He hasn't passed the bar yet, but he has a legal mind like a dingo trap. Better watch out, sir. Uh, looking at the origins of NDAs, an article from Rolling Stone magazine says, quote, no one quite knows what evil genius defense lawyer came up with the idea of NDAs. It's a damn good question, says Neil Mullen, a partner in the firm of Smith Mullen and uh, trial um, and uh, appellate a lawyer who fought NDAs uh, for Gretchen Carlson, among other defendants. Okay, so he's what you're saying. I'm not. I'm not taking away from anything you're saying. I heard you said a notable lawyer said whoever came up with this idea, fucking who knows. And this is a notable lawyer who's defended NDAs or things against said uh, Elizabeth Holmes and and Pete Holmes, right? Peter North, right? Anyway. Yeah, against, um, again, so uh, obviously okay. uh, the credentials, has the credentials right, right. in the NDA. No. Has, a, has, has a credentials, and he works at the firm of? Smith Mullen. Oh, Smith Mullen. You can't be that good, Tom. There's only two names. I thought there was three. I, was, I thought I was, there was more respectful. They don't know the rule of thirds, but... We uh, attend the quote, but we do know they initially arose around the 1970s as a way of nascent tech companies to protect their intellectual property. Brought to you by the firm, my boy Pete, John L. John L. Peacock. John L. and Peacock. Ooh, I got to write this down. We're going to have a law firm. If one of us gets our degree, John, fuck. We're, don't you. I'm going to make you sign an NDA so you can steal this idea. All right, sorry, go. So uh, in theory, NDAs are intended to protect a company's financial interests in guarding um, proprietary information. Uh, Jason Bach, an attorney based in Las Vegas, says, if you're willing, to, uh, if you're working at Apple and your job is to design a new iPhone, it makes sense that you'll have to agree to not release the information and they'll have you sign that at NDA. Anytime you're dealing with intellectual property or any type of design or development, this is when it's common. Right, but with the NDAs also, there's a very interesting concept, especially if you're working for a tech company, because any idea that happens in any breakout room that you're working in a lab, or you're with your people, you're on payroll with an idea, it's now their idea. Mm -hmm. And it's very much like, oh, okay. They can, okay. If, if they can prove you came up with the idea while you work for them, even if it was not in their lab or, or office or whatever, they get it. It's, it's very, it's a very interesting because I, um, I worked, you know, I worked for, shit, no, I can could, I could say it. Yeah, that's, it's over 10 years, I can say it. I worked for Pioneer for their home theater. Right. And, there was a speaker company that they absorbed that was a really fucking high speaker company. And they brought in the engineer 
and he was doing the craziest shit for sound design. Like he had a sound a room that was like a fucking vault that you'd walk in and it had bed springs, like basically really tight all the way across and you were like five feet above the floor. And then there was big giant, like your padding, but giant padding all the way across the room. As soon as you close the door, there was no sound reverberation. So your inner ear was like, like, what the fuck? As soon as you gained your composure, like you literally heard there was no reverberation on any wall. So you heard exactly what sound was coming from what speaker. And you could dial in and test, which was crazy. Who fucking has this, bro? Like, what what kind of a person are you selling to? Like, oh, we're selling to the person who has the entire basement locked in with a soundproof thing that spends four hundred thousand dollars. Okay, I'm I'm lowering the price of this fucking whole project here. <laughs> you guys got any spare change? Wow, it, it's like uh. So yep. they pulled them over, they bought the whole company, but he's, he refused to sign any NDAs, and that was his big thing. They hated him, but they needed him because it was his baby, and he refused to give up anything, and he refused to sign anything. So he's like, oh, I could have made like $900,000 more last year, but I refused to sign anything. I'm making good money. This is my baby. Fuck him. Yep. Yep. They wouldn't fire him. They couldn't fire him. <laughs> like, holy shit. Like, oh my God, look at the balls of this guy. Yeah. I signed up. I'm like, I'm talking, I don't say nothing about nothing. I want to talk about this. Oh, that money? I don't know nothing about nothing. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So the NDA started changing, uh, however, in the 1990s when Mullen, he's back, says that NDAs started to become more common in employment contracts and settlement contracts in various industries. Quote, you couldn't even settle minor cases without non-controversial clients. Uh, 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 with non, I'm sorry, with non-controversial clients without agreeing to an NDA. He speculates that NDAs became more popular because of the legal firms representing big companies had adopted them for themselves. They're like, we don't want to be culpable for anything, so we're using them, and the firms just followed suit. Uh, quote, it was just an idea. They, they may have instituted a regime of secrecy in their own workplaces, and they liked it, and they recommended it to their own clients and just perpetrated from there. Oh, yeah, no, I, I completely see that. Like, it becomes your modus operandi. It becomes this is the way we do business. It's like, hey, geez, you know, we're putting a cover sheet on the TPS reports now, right? <laughs> Once everyone puts cover sheets on TPS reports, all of a sudden your clients are like, these great cover sheets on TPS report to give us. We're going to start doing that at our firms. And everything we deal with has cover sheets, cover yeah. sheets, cover sheets, cover sheets. Yeah, I got that, Bob. Thanks. Okay. Fair enough. So the NDAs uh, coming in two different ways. The first is the context of an employment contract. This is a Mullen again, by the way. Um, regardless of what industry you're in, quote, when you take the job, they give you a confidentiality, a confidentiality agreement you have to sign. Take it or leave it, end quote. Yeah. With that, that is a big thing, especially if you work in any tech, where they, you got any, anything like you talk about this, like, nope, you don't get to negotiate. 
and there's different, if you ever go to any campus or any hospital or anything, I'm sure you've seen, there's, everyone has badges. Badges? We don't need fucking badges. But there's different colors or there's different little symbols depending on what industry you're in. Yeah. And those, those are your clearance of what level you can go to or what building you can go to. So when you scan in, badges will work only on certain levels, but on certain or certain buildings. Like, but you have to sign certain disclosures, certain NDAs, and they do full background checks. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah, I yeah. I had I told you my buddy was signing up, he was doing a whole thing where he had federal clearance. All of a sudden I get a knock on my door. And they're like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, what's happening? And it was FBI, and they were asking about him. They're like, oh, we're just doing interviews about him going to his. I was like, I was his reference. It's like, no. Oh, wow. No. Wow, that's a yeah. deep, deep check. Like, because they looked at like his references were like, oh, what has he done last year? Oh, he got married. Okay, well, let's look at his wedding party. Let's yeah. look at these people. Let's look at this. Yeah. Who were who the groomsmen? Who, who was the best man? Right. And they kind of like, all right, so what do you know about this? And what about... Uh, <laughs> what are you uh, has, he, has he ever had any financial uh, difficulties? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, good guy. I don't know, man. Where's when I was. Good guy. Good guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, that's insane, Pete. That's and that's probably more common than we know. No, super common. If you get for federal contracts, super common. Like the the deep dives they do. It's like, and at that point, I was like, dude, yeah. And I, he got the clearance. Went, what are you doing? It's not not fucking shit, man. Yeah. All right, I get it. Okay, so. I'm not coming to your house anymore because I don't know what's happening. Yeah, obviously, whatever he's doing, he can't tell you about it. Yeah, and I don't want to know. I don't want to be and, there when the fucking... Go ahead. And these are the traditional ones. These are the ones of information that is um, uh, uh, confidential or just, uh, you know, knee-by-knee uh, -knee basis, so they don't want it to be out there in the public, right? The second most common context in which an NDA is seen is uh, in the negotiations process for, say, uh, sexual harassment lawsuits, in which companies' lawyers want to reach a financial settlement with the plaintiff. In such cases, a settlement will usually be accompanied by the plaintiff signing an NDA, but this obviously has led to some very public disastrous results. Right, but, but just to clarify, because I don't, I need to increase because there's a lot of other NDAs that are signed not for sexual assault, for sexual harassment, that are signed for assault, for robbery, for any, literally any crime that yep. you settle that is like racist practices. Yeah. Anything that you settle out of court can be settled with an NDA as a, as a writer. So it's not just that. It is that that has been a big thing and that shouldn't be a thing because it's silencing people. But at the same time, like, hey, if you got fucking beat down in the subway and you got mugged, like, come on, man. Yeah, I got, I got 
No, because it was someone's friend connected with thing. Don't worry about it. It's like, shit, man. So, uh, quoting uh, Mullen again, it has a tremendous negative emotional impact on victims of assault. Imagine being a victim of assault and you're told that you can never speak of it. We've seen many NDAs that are so broad that women believe they couldn't speak to therapists about the trauma. So these have terrible effects on human beings, end quote. The assault, you're talking sexual assault. I'm with you on that because I'm 100%, but if you're just talking assault, like, if I put my hands on you, John, and I, I gave you five grand to shut the fuck up and you don't talk about this and ruin my rep church. I haven't told anyone. I haven't told anyone. Yeah. No, I know, but I'm saying that if you pull this out and you do it, I was like, man, ooh, I'm just saying if you reverse it and say there's no NDAs, think about the people who just put your hands on, put your hands on you in a moment of Fucking great passion. Sometimes they need you to protect you too. You just shut the fuck up. Here's your money. No harm, no foul. Smack, smack. Just saying, John. And not and not in a not in a female way. I'm saying in an assault way. If I'm gonna rob it's you. amazing that the slap slap, the uh, the domestic abuse version of what you just ended with was actually the best part of everything you were saying right then. <laughs> no man but i'm not saying it like that because that i agree with like no there should be but then again man so let's look at uh, the the notable ex uh um ex uh exception to the enforceability of an nda that many people especially who have signed it and have been intimidated by those they signed it with do not know the full extent you if you witness illegal activity of any sort at a company, an NDA cannot prevent you from reporting it, nor can it bar you from participating in an official agency investigation of illegal activity. But most employees but do not know this, which allows the employers to use the NDAs to intimidate them to stay silent. Right. Right, and, and they won't even let me sell weed anymore at that old job. I was like, that sucks. Part of the NDA, like, no, you just can't sell weed here. I was like, man, you guys suck. Anyway, you guys want to buy some weed before I go? Also, can I take this company car or is that I'm out? Okay. Cool. Let me just walk uh, my boy Pete out so we make sure that he gets outside. Hey, can I get a dime back? No, you're going to have to buy it all. I need to get bus fare at home. You guys are taking my car, man. That sucks. They gave me all these extra baggies. I don't know why. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so when victims do break their silence uh we you you talked about it right get your ducks in a row know what's coming do it ring that bell that cannot be unrung the yeah. accused have the option of suing for uh, the breach of contract asking the settlement uh, payouts to be returned but such action can backfire making the accused look even worse uh, it would look like a continuation of the abuse so it's risky it can also generate more sympathy for the accuser uh, and draw more attention to the allegations the accused uh, sought to hide in the first place. Right, and if they knew who they were dealing with, they'd know that I used my entire settlement package to pull a heist job, Ocean's Eleven style, on their whole company. You guys looking at your bank accounts digitally, you are broke now. Dun, 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 dun. Thanks, guys. We high-five at the fucking fountain in Vegas. 
we all go our separate ways. Until next time, when Pete has another job where he decides to rob a motherfucking fly. Uh, do you want to get one more joke in there because it's about to get uh, kind of dark? Oh, oh, it wasn't already. I'd like to have another John. Can I have another go? Thanks. <clears throat> um, give me the lead in. Give me one more lead in. Ready? Uh, I gotta walk into the scene. Okay, go. So, getting their ducks in a row, like, like we talked about earlier, uh, Bessie and everything. When victims do break their silence, the accused have an option of suing for breach of contract. But such action can backfire, making the accused look even worse. It would look like a continuation of the abuse. And it's also risky. It could generate more sympathy for the accuser and draw more attention to the allegations the accused sought to hide in the first place. 100%, John. 100%. So even if they realize that they can't sue and get the money back because I blew it all on cake candy and my lady friends down at the coast. Not prostitutes. My lady Ladies. Ladies. My lady. My lady. <laughs> anyway, mainly cake and candy. Also, I'm a diabetic now. I think I'm gonna lose a foot. Anyway, I digress. Once they realize the money's gone and they're assholes, this is how it goes. This is how uh, I feel very Vought Industries. This is how, like, didn't they watch all of these shows where the corporation, it's Big Brother. If you go too hard, too deep, too fat, it's like, come on, man, know your role. Also, you're not gonna get blood from a stone. I am a stone. I am a rock. I am an island. And a rock feels no pain or has any money. So please leave me alone. Well, fortunately, an island never cries because um, Bill Cosby is among the few who tried this tactic anyway. He sued uh, Andrea uh, Constant in early 2016, two months after Pennsylvania authorities charged him with drugging and molesting her in 2004. Cosby argued that she breached confidentiality terms in their 2006 settlement, including by answering prosecutors' questions before they charged him. She said uh, Cosby opened the way for her to go public by going public himself with sweeping denials about her assaulting, uh, about, about ever assaulting anyone. Cosby then withdrew the suit two uh, uh, months later. Oh, how America's dad has fallen. He makes a good stiff drink though, and I'd like to have him at my parties. After his 2016 conviction, Bill Cosby was released from prison in June of 2021 after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned his incident assault conviction. The state's highest court tossed Cosby's conviction as a result of an agreement he had with the prior prosecutor that would have prevented Cosby from being criminally charged in the case. The ruling barred any um, uh, rich, uh, rich, uh, retrial in the case and uh, the 83-year-old comedian uh, was two years into a three to 10-year prison term. I'm with you, I'm 100%, but there's a couple things at play. There's moving parts here, John, there's moving parts. So drugging people who are not your close friends, not cool. Drugging anyone and sexually assaulting them, not cool. 
drugging your friends who are close and like, ah, got you, motherfucker. <laughs> Woo! That's funny. Sorry, John. Anyway, you want to go camping this weekend? Drink this, drink this Kool-Aid. There's probably not mushrooms or acid. Anyway, uh, so. Yeah, the CIA uh, uh, copied each other with uh, the electric acid Kool-Aid test. Right, right. And if you're, if you're in a safe place, quote unquote, oh, you got me again. Guess I can't read or drive or think or talk on the phone or make coherent movements. No need to wear the shirt now. Like, honey, how was work? <laughs> okay, go sleep it off. Meatloaf will be ready in a second. <laughs> oh, shit. Right? So there's all that. Yeah. So no good, no good, no good. But, and here's my but, and I'm not, I'm not, again, no need for drugs and things and sexual things, but fucking, this is Bill Cosby, right? This is, he's doing drugs. Like he's drinking, he's partying. Hey, 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 he's getting down. So yeah, no, okay, I still can't pull that one off. To me, he's like, that's why he's like, that's why he said like you broke your NDA. You never paid for the rest of the drugs, and now you're crying. Mm. But he's an 83-year-old man. He's blind. He's done two years. And and here's the thing: for me, the kicker, like I can't even, I can't even make, I can't justify any of those things. Those those doesn't matter the age. You can't say those. You can't get away with it. There's no justification. But that here's this old man, old black man who made a deal with the fucking prosecutor and he left and the new one's like, nope, going to jail because we have you on tape, which is, okay, I get it, but. You are super guilty of horrible rape and we have the evidence for it. And so the new prosecutor was like, I didn't make that deal. That ain't my deal. We are, we are, uh, 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 the land of law. We are the rule of law. Are and we? so, no. Well, the the Supreme Court upheld what was there. And so, yes, because of the contracts that were signed, because of the NDAs and non-prosecution contracts, they actually upheld it because that was the laws that were created at that moment in two thousand six. Right, right, right. But we can say that. But that's the problem with with us is we're we're a land of rule of law. Eventually. So because these contracts are signed, cool. It'll get you your freedom in a couple few years. If we have DNA that's gonna get you out in 10, 15, cool. Oh, we realize that you aren't totally innocent and we have the real killer. All right, it'll be like six, eight months. I think you're doing two different things though. I mean, those who are innocent, like the hurricane, right? You know, he went uh, 15, 20 years in, in prison before they oh, no, no. I'm not finally got him out. No, no, no. That's the problem, John. You're, you're talking innocence and guilt. We're talking, I'm talking our penal justice system. How you can judge a, a, a society by its criminal justice system, by its jails, by its prisons. And the way that we work, we work slower than our, our medical healthcare system. So if, if literally you are paroled, I got my parole when you get out a uh, month. 12, 12, 16 days, like you, unless all of your shit is all lined up, 
oh, and then also they're like, oh, wait, we're going to question you on something else. We're going to hold you for something else. It just, our, our justice system, there is no, because they bend the rules the way they want to, to prosecute or let release the people they want to. Whoever yep. is in charge is holding the strings. And that is the problem. I'm not saying the guilty or should get, are getting away or the innocent are being prosecuted. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the inconsistency and injustice in our justice system that locks our people up is fucking ridiculous. And that they can do it to fucking Theo Huxtable's dad. I won't say his name, John. I know how much you don't want to talk about him. Well, you're right. I mean, our Sixth Amendment of uh, the right to a, a fair trial and to due process has been stretched more and more. And a recent uh, Supreme Court ruling kind of broke it in a way because uh, five inmates on death row who were found guilty of, of murder and all of them have since been found innocent through evidence. They, it was it, And they didn't get a fair trial. The Supreme Court ruled with the system and not them. And so you're hundred percent correct. Yeah. And right. so we can't, we can't only look at the one thing because he was obviously correct. guilty and there were yes. things that he did when he was first accused of it quietly, uh, not in the yes. public back in 2004, six. Yes. And that try to hide your shit that are, are signs of guilt that are like, Oh, you're a cover up artist that was a habitual offender of the things. Yes. Yes. We know. Right. Right. But and so hear me out. Let me ask let me ask you this. My, my question, this is my only question, because I he's America's dad, John. I grew up with him as America's dad. I watched him every Thursday at 8 p.m. I would ask my mom if I could stay at place. I said, Mom, mom, Dr. Huxwell is on. This is how a real family operates. I'm just I'm just asking you. I'm asking you because you knowing how the he came up in the the, the 60s, late 50s, 60s, 70s. Mm-hmm. He's a part of your drinker. How many times did you go with like, hey, you want to do some pills? You want to fucking until like now? Like, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Oh, that was great. And like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't excuse anything, obviously. No, but no, no, okay, no, so you're giving context. Old, you're giving context. Giving context. Yeah. An old ass mind. It's like the same way as like when you go to you when you go to dinner with your grandpa. And like he wants to go have uh, Mexican food. He wants to go to El Torito. Like, oh Jesus Christ! Oh shit! He's gonna talk about like when I did time down there in South America. I'm like, okay, okay, Grandpa, Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa! It's like everything you're saying is horrible, but of where you are and where you were and how the time you live, it doesn't make it right. But context and like, here's this old man who did a lot of drugs and drinking and no one ever said no and had a, a open to anything. Now he's like, what? What do you mean? I'm the jello guy. I get it how he can be offended. And that's, that was my only thing. I think he's done. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll counter with, um, I grew up with him as well. And I, I think he was the first uh, uh, comedy record I ever bought. Yeah. Why is there error? And I've seen him live twice in my life. So, yeah, I love Cosby. I adored him. 
he raped women and we know he did it and it, all the evidence says he did it like you, you know it no, okay, it doesn't take right. away from the it, it takes away from his image his image what he was right. perpetuating with the Huxtables, what he was perpetuating with the clean quote unquote right. comedy right does you know a, that's i i will i will somewhat divorce but it's because i loved him so much that, but what he he part. is a bad man he that's did bad things habitually i think i think that's the hard part where i i when you said that because we've gone through this with musicians right and yeah. i can divorce actions from the music with music i put the music on and i fucking shake what my mom gave me right i'm just i'm, I'm it has an effect from, it, right i'm here it's art. i'm here four to, i'm here from four to seven if you want to come down for prep dance i'll be after in three songs until then we're going to dance to beat it and billy jean thriller comes in the back room. right right but but this is the first time not the first time like like weinstein okay he's not a face the the comedian the the um louis ck louis ck like yeah, yeah. I wasn't into him. I didn't see him. It wasn't a thing. But like, dude, this is Bill Cosby. This is a face. This is a thing. This is a. It's like saying, Kit from Knight Rider was raping Volkswagens. Like, oh, there's proof. Like, look at this. Look at the paint marks up here on the roof. Only if you dare, you can't unsee it. You can't, right? And but if you if you subscribe and like and go to our Instagram, you'll see those. John, I'm not belittling the situation, but I'm saying if something like that hits your psyche so much, it was just like fucking um, uh, um, from Hogan's Heroes, uh, Bob, Bob Craig. Oh, right, right. Who, who died in a murder, a three-way murder, suicide, something in a weird tryst closet. Because he was into like, really what? weird. Yeah, like, what the fuck? And yeah. then it's like, as soon as I heard that when I was in high school, it changed Hogan's Heroes for me. It was like, I know nothing, nothing. I was like, I can't watch them shits no more. At least it was consensual. Uh, But, (laughs) crap. (laughs) I'm saying, but it changes a man. Like, Kit, Dr. Huxable, who's next? They're going to say Chandler's taking pills? Get out of here. I'll say that I have uh, very much uh, shifted my view to 100% America's dad is and always will be Bob Saget. Well, I, I'm with that, John, but as soon as I marry your mom, I'm going to be your dad. And I'm working that one hard, bro. She's a lady, and that lady is mine. So there are uh, those who are still currently seeking more change in the system of NDAs. Um, Six days ago from today, uh, mid-June, I'm sorry, mid-July, for those who are listening later, and for the second time this year, uh, Democratic and Republican lawmakers came together to uh, curb sexual harassment at work. Yesterday, senators introduced the Speak Out Act a bipartisan bill targeting non-disclosure agreements that force workers to remain silent about sexual harassment and assault in the workplace. I was gonna go with the ADA, the all disclosure agreement, but that's the American Dental Association. <laughs> I feel like that's been already talked about. So 
I'm going to work on it, but I think, and also see something, say something is taken. And that's worked goddamn spades for New York and the TSA. So back to the drawing board with my boy Pete. We'll figure this out by the show, John. I'm just glad they got rid of don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. <laughs> I was pushing for ask me no, ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies. <laughs> Quote, the more we know, the more we deter. Senator Lindsey Graham said in a press release regarding this legislation. The more we know, the more we deter, says our teacher. The less you know. Thanks, Lindsey. Meanwhile, I done told them the more we know, the less we should worry about things. I know I'm coming to the no no conference. Meanwhile, I'm living with my meanwhile. Anyway, if you want no more sound bites, y'all come back. Okay, John? Well, and he grew up in the Don't Ask, Don't Tell, so we don't know what's happening next with Lindsey Graham. The more you know, the more we deter. <laughs> Mima, don't say nothing. They're coming in and we don't tell nothing. You signed ask that agreement, right? Ask away, gentlemen. Me and Mima ain't saying nothing. The speak out at Target's NDAs uh, the, uh, that employees sign when hired and is often referred to as a pre-dispute NDA. So this is what this is targeting. Yeah. Is it passed? Wait, did they propose it? Is it passed? John. John. It is not John, passed. John, John. It is looking like it will pass because it is very bipartisan and it's going through the system smoothly, but it has not yet passed. All right, John. Do you have an email address for this Mullen guy? Can I contact him to see exactly what our timeline is? Can I put it on my Google alert calendar? Because there's some things I want to talk about in certain situations of things that I haven't said because I don't, I don't answer questions. But if there's a light at the goddamn end of the tunnel, I know Attorney Mullen Esquire will know all the answers. Come on down to my boy Pete Peacock and Mullen. Mullen, Mullen, and Mullen. So it's my boy Pete L. Peacock Esquire. We'll get shit done. John, I'm, we're going to get a law firm. We're going to get a law firm. If nothing else, we're going to get a, we're going to get a, well, I'm going to get you a Birkenstock little outlet. I'll nice. put you somewhere out, like, because I know you're like, these are more comfortable, man. And I'm going to put you somewhere like beautiful, like close to all, you're going to go on a hike. Well, bro, after the hike, you're going to want to go back to the tent, put on some of these Birkenstocks. They're all fucking natural, bro. Oh, if you're done with your hike, come on back here. We're going to have some chowder. Chowder, I mean, it's all vegan, baby. Yeah, and cider. That's also made from vegan apples. The apples don't eat apples. <laughs> High fives. Have a good hike, bro. I think I've made another sale, babe. Birkenstock Peacock, out. Over one-third of U.S. workforce is bound by these specific pre-dispute NDAs. Initially, companies used the agreement to protect trade secrets and intellectual property, but more recently, they have been used to silence harassment victims and help employers hide misconduct at work. If passed, Speak Out will make these agreements 
unenforceable in sexual harassment and and assault cases. A companion bill of uh, to speak out was introduced into the House two weeks ago, and so it's going in both cases, Senate and House. The House, the speak out bill. That's great because allegedly, I've heard from people who work at other tech companies, there are what they refer to as fight clubs in the basement. They call it the research and development, the R&D department, but all it is is a fight club. Anyway, it makes you stronger. Um, have a really good health plan. There's Yugo Studio on, on site. In case you get back, it's all fucked up. Anyway, if we can, if my friend can allegedly talk about that when all the speak out bills are passed, then that's super good. But until then, <laughs> keep your dukes up, Johnny. Keep your dukes up. So, former Fox News employees Gretchen Carlson and Julie Roginski. Uh, we're inspired to help, and I'm going to get black on that, but I don't care. Uh, we're inspired to help uh, garner this congressional support for the Speak Out Act after their success in supporting a recent, uh, a recently enforced arbitration law. So this is in the books. It's called the Ending Forced Arbitration of Sexual Assaults and Sexual Harassment Act. Long, but says what it's what it's about. So that became law in March. Ending March. Ending force of ending arbitration and sexual enforcement restoration act. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that was it, hundred percent. All right, I just had to get it for the acronym. Fair enough. Go ahead. It eliminates forced arbitration in sexual harassment and assault cases. So again, the title is the Ending Forced Arbitration of Sexual Assault and Sexual Harassment Act. And they helped uh, get that into law, and they are pushing this one. And obviously, because of their background, they have widespread bipartisan support. So what you're saying is, John, we need to get the teacher that says that we support Aoife Sasha. Did I, did I get it? 2005, yes. March 2005, Aoife Sasha. Yep, the enforcement for uh oh shit ending John help me with the first three the ending forced arbitration ending forced arbitration of sexual assault and sexual harassment agreement act uh, uh, um, um, act yeah yeah of course Eve Sasha yeah Sasha John I get that T-shirt. Jimmy. And you can get yours now. S A A S H A. Everyone, take a break. We'll be back for the next chant in about 45 minutes. There's some shawarma down the street. Go in pairs. It's a very dangerous neighborhood. Shit. Shit. Sorry. Just rolls off the tongue. Just it rolls really, off the tongue. It really does. Easter shot. Go ahead, John. We won't sign anything. We won't because it's too long to sign. Well, that's it. That's so that's a, an update of what's currently happening with NDAs in general in uh, uh, federal legislation. Yeah. So it's changing. Things are changing. Things are changing. I think they're changing for the better. Because I think, uh, especially if you're looking at it in that light specifically, 
but it's the, the proponents, the people who are going to act, who are going to be the naysayers, who are going to be the devil's advocate, or to say, well, this opens up to other things of here's someone who was defending their sister and a thing, and it's going to reflect on their college record. And oh, just because you hurt someone in a fist fight, now you're at Harvard and you're in your scholarship. And if you it's if you're and I think it's disclosed that you were in a settlement for an assault, like oh, you lose your scholarship. Like, okay, now you're so the people will say that kind of stuff. And there are a few like that, but for the mass majority, yes, it's going to be great. But the problem is there's no differentiation because they're going to do class one assaults, class one felony. They're going to look at the NDAs of what what encompasses, and this is going to be the box that it falls into. So yeah. if your category is these offenses, if it's classified as an assault, your NDA no longer counts, which is great, which is super great. But some of those ones, like, ah, man, wrong place, wrong time. ultimately justified, whatever, you know, 99%, this is right. good to eliminate those. That 1% is going to be the cracks. It's going to be right. the people who fall into those cracks. Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be tough. But I'm like, yeah. I think at that point, like if you're that far along and like, you've had all these settlement, you've had this, you've had this, this was in place because of this, because of what you're doing, because that was, these are preconceived notions. But I, I would say that, you know, um, uh, Cosby was released because slowly, as you talked about, we, you know, and we don't need to rehash, but because of technically that's what the law said he should have been. And it shouldn't have even, he shouldn't even been convicted because of what was in place, right? I, I would say though that kind of loophole should never exist. And so I think that's what they're getting rid of. And yes, that uh, getting rid of that loophole will have the one percenters who are, are truly morally justified in whatever happened, whatever the case may be, but how it looked upon them and they had to go through that. But that's why they, that's why the law is there is to say, well, because you know, this and this and Harvard and blah, 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 but that's 1%, 99% are horrible people doing horrible things and getting away with it. So, so I'm, you know, that, yeah, that was the law, but that shouldn't be the law. Right, so folks, if you like what you've heard, by hitting that subscribe and that like button, that's like signing an NDA and you become a one percenter. We're all going to get tattoos on our foreheads. Don't be afraid to follow us on Apple Pods, Spotify, Farmers Only. Me and old Bessie here, my tractor are coming to town. Your town. We're coming slowly, but we'll plow them fucking fields. So let's uh, let's have ourselves a shot and move on. Oh, it's about goddamn time, John. This shot's been burning a hole in my pocket. Literally, rum is hot if you have it in your pocket. <laughs> like, ah, this is hot. It's weird because most liquids are not hot when you have it in your pocket on a hot day. Huh. So funny. Well, it's not a hot day. It's a, it's a cool evening and my body gives off a small furnace fire that you're kind of never understand, John. I drink to you, my redheaded... <laughs> Fucking friend. I drink to you. Everybody who's listening. Thanks for listening. Bubbles. Thanks for watching yeah. live or otherwise. Are you guys, John, can you see your people watching? Are you looking at me? You see me? Hello. Oh.
Oh, everybody out there. Anyway, John. <laughs> Cheers. Oi, look at these drongos. Talking about non-disclosure agreements. Are you even allowed to talk about non-disclosure agreements? I thought it was kind of against the whole thing of a non-disclosure agreement. He needs to go back and listen to the whole Grateful thing. Grateful dead. Well, I bet there's some dead people out there who are pretty grateful to be dead. <laughs> and of course, of course, this drum goes raging. Raging! Raging! And that has been the BBC's episode of Drungo in Rage. Tune in next time when we have the maniac from down under going from Queensland to Fuckoffsville. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. Here's a hard fact, fellas. You can't have justice or any kind of law and order if you don't have people who recognize and respect empirical facts. Real evidence, not conjecture. Facts. Our nation is woefully short of adults who believe science and facts. 100%. 100%. We're filled with all these fucking... Round earthers who think that there should be normal process and due cause. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Shit's flat, finite. Let's get to it. One country enters, half a country leaves. Kumate, Kumate, Thunderdome. I don't believe that at all. I'm making light of a horrible fuck off situation. Dude, you sound like Judge Biggs doing the, the acronym and the t-shirts. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> uh, good Lord. <laughs> I'm just saying, I got it written down now. One more fact. In jail, motherfucking Bill Cavi. Oh, wait. Rich people don't go to jail. Fuck. Right? Note to self, make a shit ton of money. If any crimes get found out, footnote, don't do crimes unless you have a shit ton of money. Secondary footnote, be better at crimes if you're poor. Shit. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, what we're doing right now is what we like to call the old two-sided song and dance where one of us hustles around because one of us is experiencing technical difficulties or has been drinking too much and needs to make an emergency stage left exit, either for ice or for a quick repeat to any said open container. This is not the case. John is having technical difficulties. And right now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, by hitting the subscribe button and not even hitting the subscribe button, by tuning in now live or if you tune in later, you are signing the NDA that you will talk about how horrible our technical skills are. You are going to sign the NDA that says that this is the best produced show, probably worthy of maybe getting like sponsored by, I don't know, like Honeywell Hams or... Or, or like um, some kind of a, a, a fizzy seltzer drink. This is kind of like the whole point. Well, howdy. There you go. I hate you, Stereo. I hate you so much.
There you go. All right. All right. All of all of my all my side stepping, all my soft shoe has been done. Our interludes have been done. Technical difficulties solved. We've done with the serious part of our show because we are goddamn professionals. And now, according to John L. Peacock, this is the time on the two sided when we go into the next lightning round. Lightning round. Hey, John, could we probably do a shot first? Because I know I've had a hard day. And you've had a hard day. And when when you've had a hard day podcasting, sometimes it's nice to unwind with a nice, cool shot of alcohol booze drink. Yeah. Don't be afraid to loose, loosen those inhibitions. Talk freely. Talk offensively. Talk hard. Drink alcohol booze. It's for what ails you. Cheers, everybody. All right, John. And that was the first of our sponsors. Uh, uh, My boy Pete is, uh, it's so wonderful that we have some sponsors uh, and uh, we just love to talk to them uh, about them and and, and, uh, thank them for their sponsorship. Our our first sponsor, uh, NDAs are us. Yeah, that's the NDA factory. But I have to remind my boy Pete you signed an NDA to be their new spokesperson. So, but thank you so much. Well, folks, folks, thanks for listening. In. No, wait, wait, wait. <clears throat> right, 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 right. <laughs> right you are, John. And our next sponsor, which John so brilliantly mentioned before, which he so, uh, shined a brilliant glaring spotlight on my current situation with my uh, my benefactor uh ndas are us we don't tell you what to say we tell you what not to say and how not to say it for how long it turns out we can have acronyms too it's not just like if Alicia, where they want to take away our rights to not say yes, to no say no, to maybe don't talk about it for, I don't know, 16, 20, 24 years until we're all past it. Maybe it's better if we just stuff those NDA objections down, just like the secrets and hurts that we stuff down with those NDAs. Let's not talk about them. Let's not think about them. Brought to you by NDAs are us. Did I do good? Shit. The gods are angry with you. (laughs) We'll try to get them back later. But we want to move on to our our next sponsor. uh, uh, Thank you so much to uh, Self-Erasing Memories. Self-Erasing Memories. Thanks so much. Now, you remember their slogan, my boy Pete, right? Self-erasing memories, huh? I'm pretty sure. Folks, if you like all those good thoughts and you know they were special, but you don't want to tell your friends, family, and parole officer about them later because you might need to pass a lie detector test or you're just embarrassed for those dumb, dumb thoughts you've had. 
don't be afraid to join now for a low, low price of nineteen ninety-five, ninety-five, ninety-five. We're rounding up to the nearest ninety-five. You too can have self-erasing memories. You no longer have to say, where is Waldo? Why is Waldo? And how is Waldo? That you've spent the last seven days thinking about are all gone and don't have to tell anyone that you are a shallow, dumb, dumb person who is addicted to looking for striped features in all of your surroundings. It's okay to be weird because these memories, they too will go. Self-erasing memories. Huh? That's right. And who can forget our next sponsor, uh, Jerry's Organic Blotter Acid. Jerry's Organic Blotter Acid, thank you so much for sponsoring our show. John, is it okay if I just play a recording? Because <laughs> I didn't want to have anything to do with this, so I actually talked to their spokesperson. And I didn't want to bring him in because I felt like it was very dangerous to you, to me, to the lightning guy. I'm on the 12-step program. I know you are. We don't need Jerry's special homegrown blotter acid coming into the studio. All right, just go down to the craft table. All right. So is it okay if I play the recording for Jerry's homegrown o organic blotter acid? Yes, of course. Organic blotter acid. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Hang on. Is this, is this thing on? <laughs> hey. Yeah, it's on. All right, man. Hey. Hey, folks, this is me, Jerry. I know a lot of people are thinking about farm to table right now, and that's good. It's good for the soul. It's good for the environment. If we don't have good chemicals in our environment or no chemicals, we won't have a good environment. But did you know that there are chemicals in everything? <laughs> there are. Look at this little worm right here. Yeah, I got a worm. Everyone gather around. Look at the little worm in my hand. Was that? Oh, shit. All right, we're on radio. Okay, I'll put him back in my pocket. All right. Um, anyway, everything has chemicals, right? So you just want the good ones. You don't want the bad ones. And uh, far on the table, organic, organic, organic. Uh, 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 big dogs in my parking lot, like trucks, trucks, trucks. Okay, so my name's Jerry, and I like farm to table. I've been, I would work very hard on organic, homegrown, organic farm-to-table blotter acid. And some might say, whoa, 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 that's a lot of things to put in your system. I said, it is the best things, it is the best things, my dog's the best, woofer, woofer, woofer. Arr! Anyway, <sighs> there's no chemicals in these. I mean, there's not bad chemicals. Okay, there's chemicals, but I make them good. Is that good? Jerry's homegrown organic blotter acid. Come on, get yours today. Arr! Dogs will come at you. John, do you see why I didn't want him in the studio? 
That's right. Jerry's homegrown acid. The acid that's also good for you. <laughs> a little dab will do you. And that company is so great that they've uh, they've uh, uh, used us to uh, pitch their their new selling of uh, the upcoming uh, Grateful Dead show. That's right. With all of the original members, all of the original members of the Grateful Dead, uh, they you can get tickets to the Grateful Dead show by Jerry's Organic Homegrown Water Acid. That's good. That's pretty awesome. Like that's I'd go to that show. John, do you have a lead on that? Because I feel like I, I feel like uh, John Mayer would open for him or something. <laughs> I don't know. Am I wrong? <laughs> like maybe that's not John Mayer. Maybe that's the homegrown organic blotter acid talking. But I feel like that's John Mayer. Well, he was great friends with uh, Bob Saget, so that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So that's going to lead us to our final segment of the evening. Uh, let's let's pop these bubbles before we do. Yeah, pop the bubbles, please. All right, hold on. Oh, I'll do it. No, don't do anything. Don't do anything. Stop. Stop. Alcohol, booze, drink—that's my fave. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Sometimes I, other times I do do marijuana, toki, ganja smoke. Angela. That you just lost every single one of your sponsors. I think that's what <laughs> happened. Gone. All gone. What? God damn it. That's the problem. They let the they let the host do the talking. You ain't so talented now, are you, talent? You just cost us all of our monies. Shit. Shit. <laughs> it sounded like lowered expectations. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Good call, girl. It was the title of your sponsor, the bladder ass, and has me laughing so hard. And Pete hasn't even started yet. <laughs> <laughs> your sponsors are amazing. <laughs> Hi. Here at our company called Shut Your Fucking Mouth, all we do is NDAs. We offer a wide variety of services, including, but not limited to, coming to your house and taping your mouth shut, getting you drunk as shit so you don't remember anything, threatening to beat the shit out of you and your family so you don't talk. (laughs) Do you want to get beaten down by in the street in front of your children then shut the fuck up brought to you by shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) fucking music makes everything john music makes the world ground they say love i say fuck off if you've been in a rave i prefer that more than love and i say money makes the world go round the world go round the world go round money makes that world go round and I think you're insane because if we had a flat disc spinning around, we'd all get sick, John. <laughs> so, no thank you. Speaking of getting sick, our final segment of the episode is The Grateful Dead. Oh, giddy up. Are, you, are they going on a tour? Are you suggesting that I take all my vacation time and you're taking your time and we fucking follow them around? Did we really get sponsored by Jerry's Organic Homegrown Blotter Acid, John? 
Is this your way of telling me we're going to her? Because I will waive that NDA if this is what's happening. If you're giving me the reveal, if this is like a baby reveal and we can do it without blowing up a field, without starting a whole forest fire, John, John, is it a boy? Is it a girl? Are we going to tour? John, do we have the acid or not? John, shit. Okay, should I shut up? I'll shut up. Go ahead, tell me. Go. Is it is it a blue forest fire or is it a pink blotter acid? What is it? Right. Hey, man, you take one, you'll see the other. Let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so formed as a quintet in California in 1965, the Grateful Dead became as much a folktale as the story from which they drew their name. Using rock and roll, folk, jazz with avant-garde visual and literary traditions and virtually inventing a new way to play music in the process they became one of the most popular enduring and influential bands in american history dude 100 percent. well there you look at but you look at the the genres of music you look at the breakers of music of where a new style was played and like how many new styles can there be at this point we think we know all the styles Right. Like, oh, my God, right. they're started like when EDM, like, oh, my God, that's electronic music. And now there's fucking 50,000 genres of EDM and like, oh, it's rap. Like, oh, now here's all the 50,000 genres, East Coast, West, South, fucking trap, like all the fucking. You look at, oh, is it rock? Was well, it indie? Is it fucking? Oh, my God, I can't keep up with it. I put you in one group. In my Venn diagram, you're in one group. Right. But they had they had no they didn't have that back then. Like you you could think of anything. John, John, do you realize <laughs> there's no way possible because we were not inspiring or inspired enough as people. We were inspired by our predecessors. We stood on the backs of greatness. <laughs> but if we were if we were in like the eighties, nineties and came like, oh, we should do this whole, if we were the Mark Marins, if we were fucking 15 years ago, John, Jesus Christ, John, but we're not, and we didn't, and shit is what it is, John. You're in your goddamn basement in New York. I'm in my mansion here in Southern California. <laughs> it's all blurry. Blurry to me too, John. I can't see shit either. <laughs> After a comically disastrous stint in the army and discharge in the late 19 in late 1960, Jerry Garcia had spent an intense four years immersed in traditional American music, turning himself into a virtuoso acoustic guitar and uh, a guitarist and, and banjoist. But but in virtuoso, it was more it was uh, in a very folk setting. It was very folk oriented. Of what you people would think now of Simon and Garfunkel, or um, um, even not even as rock and rolly as Neil Young, like um, almost Peter Paul and Mary, mm -hmm. like it was very folksy. What he learned, but it was very he was virtuoso. He was amazing, but it was more folksy. Yeah, it's like with Paul Simon uh, having amazing uh, finger picking talent. Uh, he you know, that same kind of genre, but he just took it to the next level. Right. C completely, completely. But then he changed his, his ID because he wasn't bluesy. He wasn't like Clapton. He wasn't like going cream stuff. He wasn't that 
rock and roll, the fucking blues. He was, he was more folk. Like if you had to put it, he wasn't rock and roll. He was more folksy when he started. Like that was his, yeah. that was his influence. Yes or no? Like, uh, uh yeah. Like, uh, um, uh, Loudon Wainwright, the third loud. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Very, um, uh, um, protest music, uh, the things, uh, voices of the people, very street corner. Uh, I'm speaking my truth. Right. Very. And like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Same page, same page. Just make sure I'm on your same page. Totally. So uh, he assembled a jug band with his co-workers at Menlo Park uh, Music Store where he taught and happily, uh, um, happily sloppy Mother McCree's Uptown Jug Champions plugged in and transformed into the Warlocks in 1965. This was fronted by Ron Pigpen uh, McKernan. Uh, with, with Jerry, yeah, uh, the blues enthusiast who urged them to go uh, electric, and the new band also included Garcia's occasional uh, substitute uh, teacher Bob Weir, and Bill uh, Kreutzmann. Fucking Bob Weir, fucking amazing that dude. Ugh. And all and between so. Weir and Garcia, those are two dudes I would have liked to party with. Like, oh, let me, not a concert. Like, after you're done your thing, like, let's, oh, we're in whatever country, whatever city. Yeah, yeah. I just want to hang out with you. What are we doing? Same with, like, going, like, with Hunter. Like, what are, what are we doing? Where are we going? Like, yeah, I'll play your game. I'll, I'll play any game you got. I got 24 hours. Let's see what the fucking gypsy foretells of my future. Yeah. So they debuted in May of uh, 65 and quickly drafted Garcia's friend, uh, the laps experimental composer, Phil Lesh. So we got Garcia on guitar and vocals, uh, Ron Pigpen on organ, vocals, harmonic, and percussions later, Bob Weir on guitar and vocals, uh, Bill on drums, and Phil uh, on bass, and, and mo all of them were doing vocals, but yeah, vocals. Right. That was the original quintet. Right. Yeah, and there and there were so many comings and goings, but those are the originals. And that is that when they how long were those how long were they together? It would be until uh a sudden departure, but I'll I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, let's first so talk that was 65, about sixty five. But you're saying oh sixty five. I was asking the timeline. They got yeah, together 65. This is, this is 65. This is their debut because they were the Warlocks, but they immediately, very quickly right. discovered a single by another band called the Warlocks. Um, and they had to change their name. And uh, the now former California Warlocks uh, resorted to Stone Bibliomancy for their new names, picking Grateful Dead at random out of, uh, at random out of a dictionary. Appearing in many cultures, it is a folktale in which the protagonist resolves the uh, death of a deceased stranger and later receives karmic repayment from their spirit, uh, spirit incarnate, the Grateful Dead. 
And so that's how they got their new name after realizing the Warlocks couldn't be their name anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> very quickly, more people came. So that's why I was like, well, yeah, it's kind of hard right, to say. Right, but very quickly, because that was in 65. Was it in 65 still? Was it 66, 67? Do you have a date? Do you know? You just said very quickly. What does that mean? Oh, it's baby, 66. this doesn't happen very often. It's very quickly. This has never happened to me before. It's very quickly. So for for one year... We had the original okay. quintet. Yep. Uh, so uh, they appeared in the first public acid test thrown by, uh, thrown by author Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters. That was December of 65. And yep. uh, this solidified, it, uh, solidified the band's uh, bond um, and started to change their traditional music playing into a more psychedelic, more jam uh, version of what we now know today. Right, this jam band, it's like when you get to the, the, like fish or the string cheese incident, or it's just like people are like, oh, here's, ah, I'm pretty fucked up. It's, it's almost like EDM music. You just like the groove. And once you find your groove of like this hippie kind of like, burr, 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 and like, oh, here's a 35 minute song that we can all like, Woo. but they were so much better. Grateful Dead was not that fucking 35-minute fish jam band shit. It was, it was jam band-esque, but it was rock and roll to the, to right. the nth degree at that time. Right, right. They, they were known for never playing the same song, uh, the, the, uh, playing a song the same way twice, right? And that's right. what people started to define as jam, but that's different from what fish is doing today as a descendant of, of, of the dead. Correct. And what they were doing back at the beginning. Correct. So there's a total difference between, yeah, your jam band and like, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, but they had, it had the same vibe and it captured it. And th all the way through their inception, I can, I, at least through the late seventies, I don't know, I'm going to jump in ahead of your shit, but even through that, they had that same vibe. Like they're doing their, they're doing their songs. They're doing, even when they hit their albums, they're playing their albums, but still their, their instrumental breaks, all of their, all right, and break for bass, break for, all right, here we go, Jerry, go, Bob, go. Yeah, jazz Take, style. Yeah, yeah. And they kind of like just pa passed around, but it's not jazzy. It's rock and roll, but fuck, it was right. so good. And then, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't jam band. It was inspired by, you know what I mean? It's like, how do you how do you define it? How do you define? Oh, it's a little. Um, it's like a little jungle music with some house influence, but a good instrumental break, like a super ethereal. Um, but mainly, it's jungle. Like what? Like, just listen, listen. You'll understand. <laughs> we'll listen okay. to all of those things, and you'll understand once you understand all those things. All right, here's the deal. I need you to quit your job. I need you to listen to music for the last the next six months, and then we can have this conversation again. <sighs> right, and this indefinable uh, quality, I think, is is a huge factor into what made uh, the Grateful Dead such a phenomenon. That is unique even if it's been imitated or or you know descended from 
it is unique. It is unique. There's nothing like it. Right. Right. There's the first, there's the first thing. Cause it's not the like, Oh, it's kind of like the stones. No. Cause those, those guys were rock and rollers. Wow. These guys are stoners, but they're not like stoners, but they're folkers, but they're not, they were this, they were the first true genre. And like, yeah, they were, when they were on hate Ashbury, there was a lot of different bands when they were warlocks that they were t playing with. And if you go to those on hate Ashbury, yeah. You'll see all the, like, oh, here's signs and here's posters of Warlocks and a bunch of other bands. Like, oh, okay, they never, these other bands never made it, but they were playing the same kind of music. So it wasn't like they weren't, they weren't like, oh, this is, we thought of it. They perfected it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they were good enough. Like when we started our podcast, John, in 1992, people were like, they're not the best, but they're the only, and they're the, they're now our favorite. So they hit that subscribe, they hit that like, they hit that alert, they follow us everywhere. And it's like, that's what we make our uh, our bread and butter from, our our sponsors, Jerry's Homegrown, Organic Blotter Acid, um, alcohol, uh, boozy alcoholic drinks, super good. Um, yeah, if we didn't have them, we wouldn't have nobody. So tell your friends, tell your coworkers. 8 o'clock Pacific every Thursday, 11 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday. Um, <laughs> all right. And both of those are true on opposite days, but meet somewhere in the middle. We'll call it 7 o'clock on a Wednesday. <laughs> That's not true. Don't, don't tune in then. But if you want, I'll give you John's personal information where he lives, and you can go to his house and see if he wants to hang out on – Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Yep, 7 p.m. Pacific. 10 p.m. Eastern. It'll be... Anyway. Go ahead, John. So I was uh, uh, looking ahead and I was mistaken. So 66, uh, the year later, is when they signed with Warner Brothers and released uh, their first album. 67 is when new people started to come in. So I want to make that correction now and move forward. Right. So uh, the first time was a full-time collaborator, uh, Robert Hunter, uh, and uh, old friend uh, old friend of Garcia's. And then shortly thereafter, in the same year, the band added Mickey Hart. He was drums and percussion, and he helped them realize more of the psychedelic musical uh, vision with the uh, rhythmic intensity uh, and commitment to practice. So, like, if we're going to do it, we're not going to be sloppy. Let's do it right. Did you see? Um... Oh, never mind. <laughs> I just, I was like, that's gonna. Nope. So I was thinking Mickey Hart. Like, that's not his name. That was a totally different band. I was going to talk about Pink Floyd. <laughs> nope. Sorry. <laughs> a year later. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, one year later, Tom Constantin. Constantin. Um, Joined for keyboards. And right. uh, that was the same year Keanu Reeves was born and they started writing Constantine. Coincidence? I think not. Continue, John. He would depart uh, uh, 12 months later, but this uh, new lineup at, and, of having keyboards would. Uh, again, shift the music and expand the music of, of the Grateful Dead from then on. 
Oh, yeah. Well, Constantine couldn't handle his drugs. That's one of the things. Like, dude, if you can't handle Uncle Jerry's homegrown farm-to-table organic blotter acid in your Wheaties, we do not want you touring with us. We do not want you playing with us. We do not want you eating our Uncle Jerry's homegrown organic blotter acid. But before you go, would you like some Uncle Jerry's homegrown organic blotter acid? Did we already ask this? Are you the devil? You got to tell me if you're the devil. That's the law or a cop. Thanks, no. folks. So we're losing uh, sponsors as we go. Uh, we've lost them all already. Uh, we'll get Thank more. God. That's fine. So, uh, Bob, we're uh, up the output of new songwriting with the partner, John Perry Barlow. And for the next half decade, uh, early 70s uh, into mid 70s, this was uh, considered the band's most creative um, uh, uh, output. Weir and Barlow? Really? It wasn't Weir and, and Garcia? Well, Garcia was also involved, totally. But Barlow coming in as another uh, influence in the songwriting. So it, but Garcia was still fully involved and we're, and now Barlow, though he didn't, he didn't, uh, he wasn't part of the production. He didn't, right. he wasn't in the band. Play. He was, right. Right. A writer. Right. Here's the deal, John. So I feel, I feel like what you're, what you're suggesting again, you first talked about our NDA in not so many words, and now you want to introduce a third into our relationship who's just a writer. I was like, John, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like, I feel like we can do all the heavy lifting ourselves. And if you feel like we can't, and we just need to bring someone in, who's going to bring a fresh approach and that when people look back on the two sided podcast, like, and that is when they hit their stride. Once they got the, the magic button, the Goldstein, So I know you have a friend in, picked out. Fuck you, John. <laughs> All right, go ahead. In 72, a, uh, a major tour with the return of Pigpen. He left for two years, comes back. Uh, it was a huge uh, uh, phenomenon. It, it re they released several live albums because of it. And it um, yielded, uh, eventually yielded a box set fe featuring every single show from that tour. It was also Pigpen's last outing. He uh, died in spring of 73 at the age of 27. And it was, he was the first of the Grateful Dead to be gone. Do you, would you like to elaborate? Or would you like me to elaborate? Or Because when they did the whole thing, you can talk about the tour and what was there and what was the influences, but would you like to elaborate? With, with him, it was not... An overdose. I'd looked into it. I, I, for some reason, didn't write it down, but uh, it was a, a, like, not cancer, but something. Do you remember? Right. It was like a, it he was like a melanoma. No, he had bad health. It was a whole thing. It was like a, it was a melanoma something. But, but it it was a medical condition. It was not an overdose. But when people always said like, all right, but look at your lifestyle. And look what you were doing and look how you were doing it. Like it's documented on film. Here's all the tour. Like 
Yeah. Fuck yeah. If I could go out like that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. With his death, uh, Garcia uh, commented that that was the end of the original Grateful Dead forever. Um, it somewhat created a weird coincident string of deaths of their keyboardists. Um, they would lose three of them before they would eventually for the, before their official disbanding with uh, Jerry Garcia's death in the nineties. I was uh, unsolved mysteries did a episode with Scooby-Doo where they're pretty sure they're trying to figure out how the keyboardist in Grateful Dead had, you know, been, um, I forget what it was. I remember the Globetrotters one, but I remember Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, anyway, do you look that up? Or you, am, I, am I biting your thunder? No? You going to talk about that one? No? Which All one? Right, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, when the un- when unsolved yeah unsolved mysteries and Scooby Doo crossover, he's like, "Yo, I ain't Scoob. I don't know." I'm like, looks like they got the looks like they got another keyboardist again. Well, come on, kids. For their constant touring, by '74, the Grateful Dead were overwhelmed and exhausted, and they announced an imminent retirement from the road. This obviously didn't hold. Uh, and a few people, uh, uh, I'm sorry, another person came in, um, and this, but that's, uh, you're talking uh, 74, you're talking 74, but Hunter came in in 77, Hart came in in 77. So you're jumping back in time of people coming in and coming out. Anyway, go ahead. 74. Right. Another person Hart, came in. Mark, Mickey Hart was the one who came in at that moment. In 77. In uh, 76. Right. Yeah. Um, well, you said earlier, 77. Ninth, ninth difference touring lineup in 11 years. So they were now known for a constant flux of members. Yeah, if we could reach that point where we can both take vacations and there's bots, it's like meet George Chetson, my boy Pete's gone, John L. Peacock, bink, 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 bink. It's gone for the weekend. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, Brent Midland uh, uh, keyboards came in in uh, 78. And uh, Hunter was in 77. Uh, right. But you also said Mickey Hart was in 77 right after him. So you need to go back and read right Mickey Hart because you said 78. He was 77. Well, right. I said 76 in the second thing that I realize now those two things are conflicting, but it right. might have been late. Well, I said, early. right. I said the tour of 76, 18... but he actually right. came in. What? Yeah, it was weird. It was 1876. And I said, the Mickey Hart, if you can join, we're all on acid. It's Uncle Jerry's blotter. And then he did a whole musical about it. He's like, I'm fucking in this band. If you have the Dancing Bears and Les Mis reunions and Uncle Jerry's farm table fresh, homegrown organic blotter acid, I will tour with your motherfucking ass all day long. 
1984, uh, the Dead officially sanctioned a taping section so that all their concerts could be taped and just uh, passed around by people as bootlegs. This is a legitimized uh, practice that the band had begun in the 1960s, but in 84, it became like a legal thing. Yeah, dude, that's the thing, man. Like, because if you're a true artist, like, yeah, your, your studio work, and that's what people want to buy, and that's what they listen to, but no, if you have these, these hard-to-get things and they sound great, you're going to buy the albums, you're going to buy all the shit, but now you're going to get the bootlegs, you're going to follow them closer, you're going to follow all this stuff, you're going to see, and the growth of someone and playing and how they played it. Like, it's, it's just like we have, you know, you get the, uh, the B-sides from a lot of albums or the European cuts, fucking things we've never heard. It's like, oh, my God, that's so good. But it's like, wait, is it so good? No, it's not. It's different. Okay, I like this one better. But then you hear three or four versions like, okay, now I get to choose and I just, you're still brilliant, but it's like you see the artistic range. You see like, okay, you, it was open field. You're playing 12 o'clock at night. It's raining. Yeah, your voice cracked or your, your basis is out of tune. That's amazing. Your voice, like, that's great. It's just a real moment. It's like hearing a vinyl record. You're hearing the fidelity you're hearing the, the track you're hearing the crackle you're there it's not yeah. perfect it's not you're you're hearing the people cough in the audience right right yeah <sighs> we don't say you have to wear a mask but we ask that you do also all of our masks are laced with uncle jerry's farm to table blotter acid and iocane powder, a small little dose, which will knock you down. You'll see. Anyway, go ahead. So in 1987, their 12th studio album, In the Dark, The Dead scored the only top 10 hit of their entire career with Touch of Grey. And it uh, followed this unexpected MTV success <clears throat> from the videos that were made for it. And they went from uh, large venues into stadiums for their tours. And that was not, I mean, it was a good song. It was good. But like anything to put them on the map, you know? Yep. Yeah, I mean, Shakedown Street, uh, uh, Scarlet Bagodias, there's, there's so many others that are fantastic, but that was the one that actually hit the top ten. Right, in that, on that album. In its time. Right. Yeah. In its time, yeah. Yeah, you so, know, it's uh, just like um, I found uh, Vanilla Ice when I heard play that funky music. I said, this guy has upper management written all over him, and then... I heard Ice Ice Baby, and I was like, wow. I knew him from Play That Funky Music. And then I was flabbergasted, John. And I said, whoa. I think I've heard this song before. And then turns out, nope, totally different. It had a ch in it. And I had never heard it, and it's rap. Garcia 
goes through many bouts of uh, struggling with addiction, especially heroin addiction, all throughout the entire time. Um, but in 86, he uh, comes out of a uh, induced coma because of uh, an overdose and returns with creative vigor. And it starts uh, another uh, renaissance for the band. You said you said 86. Yeah. And I, I jump back a little bit. I was talking. About yeah, no, no, no. Album. I, that, no, I, yeah. no, it's great. No, it's great. Touch of Grey 87. Because, hey, most people are like, hey, he had a problem with addiction. He went to the hospital, 1986, woke up from an induced coma from his heroin in addiction. He was, he was inspired with this bout of creativity, which led him to do the most amazing thing. In 1987, they had Touch of Grey, which reached the top 10. It reinvigorated their career. They went from playing small, small, large stadiums to big, ultimate corporate venues. I think I'm getting all these words right. <laughs> Your Honor, I'd like to treat John L. Peacock as a hostile witness. I hear things. I don't process them. Get them in order, John. 86, 87. Let's do it again. So anyway, he had a drug problem. He grew out of his drug, didn't grow out of it. He was inspired by it and had a beautiful top 10 hit in 87. Yeah. And then, uh, they, and then they in great. 88. And uh, moving into 90, 91, 2, 3, 4, 5, just going to jump to uh, the popularity of 95 uh, was growing beyond manageable uh, proportions. Uh, there, were, there was a very troubled summer tour. Uh, the band had introduced nearly an album's worth of new material into their live repertoire, but like the first songs that they introduced, it never made it into a proper album. So we only have live versions of them. And again, fighting sickness of addiction, uh, Garcia died in Marin County Rehab Clinic in August of 95. And that was Marin. Uh, Marin, you would know, SoCal. Uh, four months later, the Nor NorCal officially, officially dis dissolved. Where is it? San Francisco. It's across oh. the bay in San Francisco, Marin Where County. From? That would make sense. Weird. Yeah. Hey, John, super fan, SoCal boy, lives in, lives in Harlem. You know, you'd know, fucking up, uptown boy, living in your uptown toys. Uh, before his death, the Grateful Dead were introduced, uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 94. Their induction uh, introduction was as such, quote, no band embodied the psychedelic rock era mind expansion, uh, expanding countercultural vibe better than the Grateful Dead. During marathon concerts marked by communal, peaceful atmospheres, the San Francisco troupe combined traditional genres such as folk, bluegrass and roots with experimental freewheeling musical excursions, end quote. Oh, dude, hundred percent. It's the it's the same vibe you get. Like I, I'm sure the foxes know. It's because there's places in Arizona. It's like, and and even your friends. Like you get your your close friends. You're like, oh, you're you're cool. You accept this. You're like this. But it's it's a different vibe when you're in a different place. 
we're all the people. So it's like, um, like, okay, going to Haight-Ashbury, if you're music scene there, or going to Joshua Tree here mm-hmm. out in Southern California, like going to a, a, a festival out there, like a three-day festival, it just changes your mind about like, okay, it's, it's, a, it's like a rave. And you go to raves and like, all right, here's a, a lot of fucked up people and some cool people and some shitty people. And like, there's good people, there's fucked up people. But you go way out in the middle of nowhere or you go to the weird fucking weird hippie spot where people are like, they're too weird for the, the, the weird, the, the fucked up people to come. Like, we ain't fucking with them. Like right. we can't, there's nothing for us there. There's nothing. It's too weird. Like, unless you like to get down like that. And once you get down like that, like it changes your attitude. Like you can't, you can't do that. And then like, fuck you. Like you're not bringing drama <laughs> to the party right. after, after you cross that threshold and you're only coming there because you'll leave if you like, it just, yeah. So to see that kind of idea in those places and like, it would be amazing to have seen those things because now you like you go see these great bands like the Eagles. Who did you just go see? You went and saw who did you go see? Neil Di- Neil Young. No, who did you see? I just went and saw Dead and Co. So that's uh, uh, Bill um, uh, with uh, John Mayer. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so I guess that's a full circle because I was like, yeah, it doesn't, it's good, but it doesn't really, it doesn't do the same things. Like, oh, here's a touring concert in a big coliseum that's paid for by Ticketmaster that has fucking bullshit t-shirts that is going to bust me for smoking weed, that all these, everything that is against what they stand for, what I listen to their music for, what their whole society, everything was for that. We're now doing this with less of the band that ever was around. Like, Hey guys, you, you want to watch the star Wars movies and watch this orchestra play the hits John Williams style? Like, yeah. Like, you want to pay $120 for it? Yeah. What the fuck is that about? That's idiot. That's an idiot move. Like, why? Here's one dude who smoked weed with Jerry Garcia once, and here's two other dudes who once hung out with him. Well, and here's well, it's Bob Weir. I know, and, and, I know. Okay. Bob Weir is great. I know. I'm I'm belittling the whole thing to talk down to it. Bob Weir is amazing. If you if you would say Bob Weir and John Mayer, you can't say, and they're saying Dead and Co. Well, and Bob Bill, Weir's uh, not Cruz dead. Men. Right. Right? But they're not dead. They're not the dead. Like, the dead died with Jerry Garcia. Right. It That's was why they're Bob not Bob Weir dead. and Jerry. Right. right. They should be. Well, um, on, on that note, I mean, you're, you're uh, bringing me perfectly to this. The, the spinoff bands from having at least one original or one member of the dead from uh, 65 to 95. Are, are you going to say these? Do you realize? No, no. There's such a huge list. I'm just right, going to say the you ones realize that are that currently these, still going but all these, Dead and & Co. and the but, Phil Lesh and Friends. 
Right. But do you realize that anyone who's making these bands, it's all a money grab? I was like, you like these songs? My cousin's uncle played once for their roadies friend. Woo! Scarlet Pagone, yes. Bullshit, bro. Like, unless it's it's a money grab. It's bullshit. Like, yeah, and John Mayer is on board with 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 Weir, with Bob. Yeah. So at the same time, Bill, like. Yeah. Well, he, um, apparently the, the legend is in, in uh, uh, 2011, he was on Pandora and one of their songs randomly came on. And he's like, I only listened to Dead after that. He learned their entire repertoire and then went to Bob and was like, can I do one show with you? And they jammed and they're like, oh, this works out. And that's what uh, led into uh, Dead & Co. in 2015. Sounds like all a big fucking fat lie, John. I don't believe in that heartfelt shit. Pandora. Because, because I'm on Jerry's homegrown organic blotter acid, and I see big dogs coming out of the woodwork saying nay to your nays of say. <laughs> Okie dokie, folks. Thanks for tuning in. What else you got for me, John? What else you got? Uh, a, a side note that I, I thought was cool enough to put in other musicians uh, or bands uh, inducted in 1994 to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The Animals, the band, Willie Dixon, uh, Dwayne Eddy, Elton John, John Lennon, both uh, uh, John Lennon and Bob Marley. Both of those were uh, obviously posthumously uh, Johnny Otis and Rod Stewart. They Fuck were Rod Stewart. Inductees. Yeah. Well, John. There is a house, the rising sun, <laughs> right? I don't know where No, which is funny because that's it's, a standard. And Bob was like, "My my version was was also pretty good. Why did they choose the animals?" Fuck you, because the animals were the best. Yeah, also, it was a great version, <laughs> right? Also, um. Every time you talk, I say no one shake my head. <laughs> Take a Don't load think twice, off. Jo- it's all right. Take a load off Johnny. Take a load for free. Take a load off Johnny. And you put the load right on me. Tell them the band. Yeah, I love that. Uh, it- they were so great that the band was like, we're going to just be a band without Bob. And they still got inducted really early on. Dude, did you watch the, anyone who's listening, you can watch the, I believe it's on Netflix, I want to say, or Amazon, but uh, it's called The Last Dance. And it's Martin Scorsese, a documentary about the, la- the band, their last concert. And it's live and it's all the film and all the shit he edited together about the band. That's awesome. Shit, boy. Because you see, um, there's a candle in the window, but I feel I've got to move. Uh, Credence. There you go. Uh, he was on. Uh, they had him come out. Oh, John Fogarty. John Fogarty. 
Nice. Great credence. Credence is like, you credence. know, my friend Credence, that guy, Credence. Yeah. He's that's great. how I check into, that's how I, I check into every motel when I'm going on tour. My name is Clearwater. Credence. <laughs> this is my brother, Clarence. Clarence and Credence Clearwater. That's right. The Clearwater boys. We're Here for the two sided pod. <laughs> Shit. Shit, we're going to get mobbed at the motel again. <laughs> hey, there's way too much to, to say about the uh, Grateful Dead. Even with having only one um, top 10 hit in their 30-year career and with all the spinoffs that are lasting uh, even to today, uh, um, they are known as one of the more influential bands. Like you said, they created a genre that is now so sub-genred that... Right. They're the only ones who are the undefinable. Everything else is definable. Well, this is the prog, uh, prog rock, da, 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 da. right? Right. But uh, so I just want to give one more thing out there because I thought it's pretty Oof. cool. Since the right. 1970s, their uh, their shows always included this sequence called drum space. During the segments uh, of their concert, drummers Mickey Hart and Bill uh, Kreutzmann, uh, con- collectively known as the Rhythm Devils played a lengthy drum solo, uh, not only using their drum sets, but usually predominant use of other percussion instruments as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, if you don't, that's super, being in Joshua Tree for a lot, there's a lot of drum circle and it's like, drum devils, come on, let's drop some of the drum demons, let's be the, and it's like everything, like, and, I don't have a drum. It doesn't matter, man. Just fucking feel the thing. Just hit on a rock. Here's that tortoise over there. No big deal. Look at that dude over there. He's just grabbing his cock and slapping it against his forehead. In rhythm. It's cool, bro. We're all fucking one family here. Like, ah. All right. Thanks, Uncle Jerry. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my trailer until my organic homegrown blotter acid takes effect. And I can find a pot and or pan. And a spoon to join the party with. I'll be back. <laughs> so that would uh, eventually uh, segue into the portion called Space, where the rest of the band and sometimes guests would come in and play uh, free jazz, space rock-inspired improvisations. Much of the time, this included electronic noises and other unusual sounds, and it truly showcased the Grateful Dead's most out-there inclinations. Fuck yeah, man. Space, that's what I took up in school. They're like, are you going to be a law? you going to be medical? It's like, I'm going to take up space. They're like, you've done that your whole goddamn life. Giddy up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the dead. That's, you know, there's so much more, but that's what I got. All right, well, here's the deal. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do a special Christmas album for on our Patreons. I'm going to be out in New York at some point. We're going to take a lot of Uncle Jerry's homegrown organic farm-to-table blotter acid, and we're going to go over all of John's Grateful Dead thoughts, reasonings, thought processes, forlornings, and we're going to listen to the whole box set as we do it and record it all and see exactly where that mind-bending journey takes us. You, too, could be part of this if you are a Patreon fan. 
sources for this episode of Two Sided have been uh, the first segment, uh, Investopedia.com, Bloomberg Law, Investop- you son of a Rolling bitch. Stone Magazine. I... You have something to say? No, I do. I do because no, Investopedia.com, Bloomberg. Your mom's house, like John L. Peacock. All right, you know what? No, I'm let you. I'm gonna let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. But after you're done, I'm gonna talk about Rihanna. <laughs> so, you go ahead and tell your sources. Bloomberg, Investopedia. Mm-hmm. Yep. Investopedia.com, Bloomberg Law, Rolling Stone Magazine, The Salt Lake Tribune, CNBC, CNBC, and Forbes Magazine. The second segment, Dead.net, which is the official website of The Grateful Dead. Rockhall.com, the official website of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Phil's Friday Picks and Wikipedia. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of facts, Sean. All of my retorts have been brought to you by uh, my cousin I talked to down in the corner, Craig. This dude I buy weed from. Um, my goddamn intellect, because I think all the things you say are fucking way off kilter, and also my therapist. Shout out to Big Craig. I also buy weed from Craig. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird My boy Pete and John L. Peacock. Is it homoerotic for me to say I've been into you guys the past... Not at all. Months? Not at all. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I've been drinking, chilling, and I'm going to smoke out. Hold on. Let me tell my son. Get the hell out of here. I'm kidding. I'm joining him. I'm joining him. Keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> brother fuck yeah we drink when we can we smoke when we can and as john says like hey man everyone is everyone everything is everything we all are people i look at it as like know, and on that note let's drink let's can we drink heavily look at this john look at this i i goddamn beat you to it i already had one poured I was just waiting. After we'd gone through our our whole uh, sponsors, I didn't know what to do. Here we go. Let's drink. <laughs> Uncle Leo, thanks, thanks Uncle for Leo. coming in. Yeah. Fucking talk back. Mine Fox, MFA. Oh, shit. Foxy Lady's coming in, too. Somebody's got bandwidth up with this motherfucker. Mona Lisa, my girl. Spawn band. All right, folks, drink if you got them. Here's to you, John. Everyone drinking, uh, drinking at home. There you go. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, and if if not, drink at work when you listen to this on Spotify. <laughs> Who needs that fucking job? Oh, hey, uh, my boy Pete. Before we go, is there anything from this episode that you'd like to take a second look at, a second glance, a second opinion? Uh, this is my I'd, boy Pete's retraction corner. I'd like to take a second look at your shirt because <sighs> you went to the shirt. You bought the concert, you're wearing it to our show, flip it, reverse it. I like the shirt. I like it. It's still in the same idea. That's my second look. 
It's okay. I was going to bust your balls, but I'm a big fan of the, the dead art. I'm a big fan. Certain things I can't, like even your hippie ass, I can't fuck with you because like, goddamn, dead shit is the fucking dancing bears. Palm of shit. Even the bad tattoos with a good couple dancing bears. Fucking all seen eye. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off. I'm in. I'm I'm so in. It's the same thing as uh, Ralph Steadman art with Hunter Thompson. Like even the shit you don't like, like, yep. No, nope, I like it. It's so good. Yep. It's just, it's a good, the, the, the art that it speaks to you in a, in a visceral way. Even if you don't like the concept of it, the, the art of it transposes that transpires, excels, exceeds, transposes. Fuck John. Fuck. And that has been my boy Pete's retraction corner. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We have our open chat show live on stereo every Tuesday. So same start time as tonight. So if you want to join us or you want to throw some topics out there, email two sidedpod at gmail.com. That's T W L sidedpod at gmail.com. And for those listening live, join our chat on the stereo app in our green room right now. Uh, let's see. It's uh, let's go 50 after the hour for after show wind down. That's a wrap for tonight. I'm John L. Peacock out in Brooklyn, New York. And I'm the Lord of all that is good and pure, the wearer of pants, the eater of sandwiches, my boy Pete in Southern California. And this was our show. You can eavesdrop wherever you get your podcasts and even join us live, both on our YouTube channel, Two Sided Podcast, and the Stereo app every Thursday, 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern, as we talk about the two sides of life, the serious Oof. and the fun, here on Two Sided. <laughs> I love you, Pete. Hey, Bubby, you're a good man. I hope nothing happens to you like a horrible wheat thresher accident. It'd be a shame. Oh, now it's going to come. You're bringing the fucking didgeridoo. Fuck you very much, John. You're the worst ever. Ha <laughs> ha!